This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Man Cup is in the books and the Six Nations Chiefs are your champions. Dan Dawson named the MVP and he was absolutely fantastic. Leading up to the NLL draft, we found ourselves in a bit of a trading frenzy. And because of that frenzy, we'll talk to Steve Govett and Derek Keenan. All that and more on OTCB. I am an outlaw. What's going on, lacrosse fan, and welcome to another edition here on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter, at Off the Crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross, and you can also email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We had some big news this week already, so we have plenty to get to talking National Lacrosse League trades. Uh, We'll have Steve Govett and Derek Keenan stop by as those two GMs were a part of probably the biggest trade we've seen in the offseason and probably one of the bigger trades between two teams straight up that we've seen in quite some time. Uh, we have the Man Cup to get to. But you know what? There's not a lot of lacrosse left to be played this year. Um, there's no real significant box games to be played for a couple months. And the next big event um, after we do the draft and combine and NLL awards and Hall of Fame is going to be in December. And that will be the home opener for the Rochester Nighthawks on December 29th when the Toronto Rock come to town. So we've got some time, and this is the time of year where lacrosse players often will allow themselves to take a break. Holidays, honeymoons, like Aaron Bold and his new wife Michelle Fines are doing. Uh, Congratulations, guys, by the way. Uh, Congratulations to Lyle Thompson got married. Um, So yeah, it's a bit of a downtime, but still plenty to talk about, and uh, we'll kind of go in a somewhat chronological order here. So let's start off with the Man Cup. And the Six Nations Chiefs are your champions. Uh, Their third title in four years. Sixth title overall. And they beat Maple Ridge four games to one, but I don't think that's that is not indicative of how that series, how close that series really was. If you watched it, you were able to see a very competitive Maple Ridge team uh, in games two, three, and four. Uh, obviously, winning game two uh, to tie the series up when they lost game one, 15 8. They won game two, 13 9. And then two back to back, 9 7 losses, including one in overtime before that game five where they got beat 14 6. Now, you can go back uh, on YouTube, thanks to the folks at JVI, and rewatch all the games. It's fantastic. I've done it a couple times, uh, just mostly like looking at tendencies and wanting to go back and, and look at some things. But for me, there's a couple things that stand out. Obviously, one, uh, the play of Dan Dawson, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, two, the story of Cody Jameson is just still remarkable. Uh, Dan Dawson said after the Man Cup that, Uh, If this was hockey or football or baseball, there would already be a Disney movie in the works. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen for Jammer, but uh, what he did on a knee that needed surgery was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, You know, he continued to be a force. He played three games. He had 14 points and probably should never have been out there, but... He was, and he was battling, and 
he was a key component for Six Nations on the way to the Man Cup. So um, hats off to Jammer and what was um, an incredible end to a season that unfortunately is going to end in surgery. So we wish him the best of luck on his road to recovery. We hope to see him soon. But the one, another thing that stands out is the play of Austin Stotts, the 18-year-old who won his fourth straight national championship, a founder, back-to-back Mintos, and now a Man Cup. 13 points in five games, including some highlight real goals. But at 18, it's just absolutely mind-blowing how good this kid is. Uh, he's gone to Onondaga Community College, OCC, um, so we don't know. Uh, how long he'll stay there. Most guys are staying a couple years. It's a junior college, and we might see him transferring to Albany or Syracuse. Those tend to be the two places um, that a lot of those guys have been uh, shifting to. Or he could do, just go to a couple years and say, you know what, this isn't for me, and bounce. Um, And say, you know what, I'm going to declare for the National Lacrosse League. I'm done with the school thing. And declare early. It's not something we see too often in the lacrosse world, but it has happened. Seth Oaks is one of them. Uh, renounced his last year of junior eligible or uh, NCAA abil- ability eligibility. I'll get it. Uh, eligibility at Albany to enter the National Lacrosse League draft this week. So um, it's not something that's uh, foreign to the NL. It's just not something that happens too often. Um, and Stotts was just phenomenal. Uh, he and his brother Randy were, it was incredible to see them play together and the fun that they had and, and all those guys had on that Six Nations team uh, en route to a Man Cup. Um, Dylan Ward was probably second in Mike Kelly Award voting. He was standing on his head matching Frankie Chiliano save for save and probably one-upping him a couple times. Uh, but Chiliano was... Equally as impressive, and you know what? That guy just, he played a lot of lacrosse. And I remember asking uh, Rob Williams this early in the year. I said, you know, how many games is Frankie going to play? Like, are you ever going to give Charles Claxon when he was there? Are you ever going to give Brandon Mulligan a, a chance to go in the net? And Sato said, you know what? If Frankie wants to play every minute, Frankie will play every minute. And he pretty much did. And that just goes to show the compete level of the young goaltender and how much he wants to battle and wants to win. He didn't ever want to come out of a game, no matter what the score was, no matter what the situation was, he didn't want to come out. And I'm sure we're going to see him back in a championship game on some level sometime soon, whether it be summer or winter. But the one thing that still confused me and, and I've given Rob Williams some time after the Man Cup and we haven't really just kind of you know had a, a decompressed talk of after what happened you know, sent a few texts back and forth that was about it but the two games that Maple Ridge got beat in um, were games one and game five and for me what stands out the most in those two games was the fact that that Daniel Amesbury played in both games. Now, caveat, Daniel Amesbury did score the opening goal in Game 5 and, for all intents and purposes, played a regular shift, was his usual pestery self, bouncing around, trying to instigate here and there, doing his role. But the thing with when you have Amesbury in is it changes the entire mindset of that Berard's team. 
Now, as I said, they had played three really good lacrosse games in a row and deserved a better fate, probably should have been tied 2-2 in the series instead of down 3-1. And it really confused me why Maple Ridge changed their lineup. Because they weren't, it's not like they were getting blown out and needed to do something. They were right there. And maybe there were some injuries or guys had the flu or what have you. But it, when as soon as I saw Amesbury in there, you could just see Maple Ridge flip the switch. And they didn't play the same style of lacrosse they played in games two, three, and four. They went back to their tactics uh, of what kind of got them in trouble, grabbing guys and, and you know, causing situations during dead balls and just having this Berard uh, Street bully mentality. They didn't have that in games two, three, and four. They played straight up lacrosse and were hanging with the best team in the country. A team that was overmatching them like three to one. And it was just really confusing uh, why that change was made. And in the end, you know, Maple Ridge played probably their worst game of the whole tournament in a game that they needed to win. But at the end, the Six Nations Chiefs are the champions and take the Man Cup back east and they regain it. And now we all wait till next year for the Man Cup to be played out west to see if the west can take it back. Now, to what might be the bigger story of the Man Cup, and that was the play of dangerous Dan Dawson and his rocketing up the Man Cup scoring charts. That's when Dylan Ward's at his best, when he's not worrying you know, about the other things around him. All he's worried about is stopping the rubber, and he's done a fantastic job you know, in the last two games when, when the, you know, the Chiefs need him most. Dan Dawson scores on the shot from the outside and becomes the fourth leading scorer in Man Cup history. Coming into the Man Cup, Dawson sat ninth in overall point scoring behind Josh Sanderson, Bill Wilson, Gary Gate, Scott Evans, and Colin Doyle. That goal you heard, that made it 13-4 in favor of Six Nations. Dawson ended up with seven points on the night. That was his second goal. He would add another assist on Briar Jonathan's goal, which was the Brard, or sorry, the Chiefs' last of the tournament. And with it, he ends up with 139 points in just 39 games played. That's incredible. And I remember watching, I think it was game one uh, with Tyler Hebner. Uh, we watched a bunch of the games together. And and he looked at me and said, is there any better leader and any other guy you'd want to have on your team in a situation like this than Dan Dawson? Um, I can't. I can think of a few. Uh, I'd take Doyle on my team. I'd take JT on my team. Uh, I'd take Shooter, the Gates. Like, all those guys that he passed, I'd take on my team. But I've had the chance to play with Dan Dawson. Uh, I've watched him mature as a player and as a human. And it was it's just phenomenal to see his composure, his professionalism, and his class of just how he, you know, holds himself and how he goes about his business. 
He's not flashy. Uh, he's not dirty. He can be fiery and feisty, and he'll grab a guy if he has to. But he is all about the team, and he is all about helping whatever team he's playing for win, no matter what it is. And the most classiest thing Dan Dawson did that whole tournament, there was two incidents. Um, I think one was after game three or four when Ben McIntosh won player of the game, I think, for the second game in a row, and he didn't want the stick, so he gave it to Dawson, and Dawson said, here, man, I'll take it and I'll give it to a kid. That's awesome. Love it. Uh, Cody Jamison did the same thing. A bunch of the Six Nations guys did the same thing, and I'm sure the Maple Ridge guys did too, but Dawson's just always been that way. You know what? I don't need a stick. Let's give it to a kid. But the, the best example of what kind of class Dan Dawson shows was after the game. When, uh, you know, the captains of Six Nations are lifting that trophy. You know, it usually gets passed to the veterans and, and the guys who have been, you know, went to Benny first. He's been waiting for a man cup. Uh, it goes to Dylan Ward. He's been waiting for a man cup. And, you know, it usually goes to those veterans. And you look in the background and what do you see? You see Dan Dawson talking with fans, talking with parents and wives and girlfriends and the coaching staff and the equipment staff holding this kid, just soaking it in, and watching his players revel in the success and the glory of lifting that cup. It was just an incredible scene, and it wasn't, you know, it was probably one of the more subdued championship celebrations that I've seen. Um, I know they got pretty crazy uh, in the dressing room, thanks to Snapchat. But, you know, it was just, it was, yeah, I got the cup and lifted it over their head. And you could kind of see some of the younger guys, like, I'm not really sure what to do. But there's Doss just hanging out the back with a huge smile on his face, his kid in his arms, and just soaking it in. And I'm so happy for Dan. Uh, I'm, I'm happy for Benny and Dylan Ward and Jammer and everybody on that team. Uh, JT and Richie Kilgore, their coaching staff, Dewey Jacobs, you know, should they have had some of the players that they had on their team? That's a discussion for another day. But that's how this league works. That's how summer ball works. There's no stipulations on who can have guys and who can trade guys and or whatever. They got where they got because they worked within the rules. They might have found a loophole, but they worked within the rules. And they put the best team they could on paper and... They were winners, and they're rightful winners. And I am happy that they are the champions. I'd love to have seen Maple Ridge win, but Maple Ridge will be back. And Maple Ridge showed that you don't need a high-priced roster uh, and a huge payroll to make it to the Man Cup and be competitive in the Man Cup. And it was a huge learning experience for all those guys on that roster because there had only been two guys on that whole Maple Ridge team that had ever even been in a Man Cup. But the class that Six Nations played with and Dan Dawson was the epitome of it was just absolutely phenomenal to see. And again, congratulations to everybody involved with the Chiefs organization. And take care of that cup because the West will be coming for it again next year. Now, the Man Cup is over. And it was like as soon as the Man Cup ended, it was like, all these NLL deals and GMs and, and 
newsmakers were like, all right, we need to get in the news because we've been out of it for a little while. So um, here's this trait, and here's this trait, and here's this trait. And it was like one trait after the other after the other that was just sending shockwaves around the National Lacrosse League and the lacrosse world because so many of these trades we didn't really see coming. Now, some of them were made out of necessity, most notably the Jordan Hall trade. Uh, the Hall trade was made because of the injury to Jesse King. Uh, I spoke with Jesse. He's had an MRI. He's now waiting on surgery. Uh, MCL, ACL, like the whole thing, going to need a completely rebuilt knee. Um, so he's another guy, uh, along with Jordan Durston, that we uh, want to send speedy recoveries to as they have surgery. Um, and because of that, the Swarm are now down a left-hander. So they went out and got Jordan Hall and a second-round pick in exchange for the 8th, 14th, and 28th overall pick this year and the Swarm's first pick, a first-round pick in 2017 from the Swarm. And it's a deal that works for both teams. Um, you know, like I said, Georgia needed a left-hander. Rumors are they're still trying to find another lefty, which would mean they're trying to ship either the 4th or 10th overall pick uh, that they still have. So... You know, we could still see some more blockbusters moved uh, or, or trades happen. I'm not sure how many uh, big-name lefties are out there to be moved. Uh, we're going to get to the ones that were moved in a minute. But the deal that sends Hall down to Georgia uh, sends a slew of picks up to New England, and New England didn't have anything. Um, and they were really desperate to get into uh, the first rounds. Uh, they really needed those picks, and... Nice job by Rich List to get himself some picks, especially that first rounder and that second rounder and a first rounder next year, which is going to be huge because while this year's draft may not be the deepest as some next year is supposedly supposed to be a very, very good draft. So that was sort of the first trade that we heard of and we saw. We're like, wow, teams are starting to make some moves here. And again, that move was predicated by the injury to Jesse King. And it kind of forced John Arlotta's hand to go out and get another lefty. Um, for me, it was kind of confusing because you could have just drafted Holden Katoni at four. So that just really ensures the fact that Georgia could indeed be drafting a goaltender with that fourth overall pick, either Dougie Jamison or Warren Hill. Um, they brought in Adam Shute as a free agent, uh, which is a bit of a strange move for me. Uh, I, I like Adam Shute, but he just I'm still not sold on him. Um, so they have him in camp now with Mikey Poulin and Brody McDonald. So if they bring another goalie in, that's a fourth goaltender they'll have in camp. So it was a bit of an it's a bit of an interesting move for me to just see them bring and shoot. And now everyone's talking about well they're probably going to draft a goalie fourth overall. I get it, but I, I think you probably could have saved yourself some picks and drafted Holden Katoni at fourth overall and still kept all those picks that you had and continued to stockpile. But you know what? They needed a veteran left-hander. Hall was available. He lives in Baltimore. It kind of works with his flight schedule. Um, so that deal was made. Then we get to the really big deals. And it started Monday. Well, actually, I heard about the deal Friday. And when I heard about this deal that was going to involve Greer and Jones, it was actually a three-team deal. 
And the rumor that I had heard from a source was that it was actually going to be Adam Jones to Buffalo, Greer to Colorado, and then they were waiting on what the Buffalo piece going to Saskatchewan was going to be. And so when I had talked to um, Steve Dietrich, the GM of Buffalo, he goes, nope, it's not us, man. We had spoken uh, to Govett about Jones, but the line had gone cold for a few weeks, and it's not us. So, Monday comes, and it sends a shockwave through the National Lacrosse League as Adam Jones was sent along with the second-round pick in 2017 to the rush in exchange for Zach Greer and the ninth overall pick this year. And we're going to hear from both GMs in a minute here, but it's a great deal for both teams. And... It works because it allows Saskatchewan to keep a veteran lefty. Uh, They get a little bit of a younger lefty. um, And they get another stockpiled pick, a second rounder for next year. And for the Mammoth, uh, they get a veteran lefty uh, with a little more pedigree of being a leader than Adam Jones was. And more importantly, they get a pick in the first round, which they didn't have. And they actually didn't pick until, I think, the fourth round this year if they didn't get that pick. And Govett knew that he needed to make his way into that round, and this was the deal that came about. And then shortly after that trade happened, uh, it was maybe a few hours later in the evening, uh, I got a tweet from a fan in Saskatchewan who said that uh, on CTV News, they were doing the piece on the trade for uh, Jones and Greer, and GM Derek Keenan said that they had traded Riley Lowen to Calgary. And it wasn't official anywhere. It wasn't released anywhere. uh, But through some other sources, it got confirmed. And that Lowen was going to go to Calgary in exchange for a second-round pick. That wasn't actually officially announced until Tuesday morning. And then as that deal, the Lowen deal is sort of circulating around the interwebs, uh, I get word that John Lintz is getting traded to Vancouver. I check with a couple sources. Some people say, no, it's not quite happening. Uh, or some, and some people said, no, I don't, I haven't heard about it. Other people are like, oh no, that's not the deal. Uh, the deal is going to involve Buffalo. But then it happened. Um, Lintz to Vancouver, um, and we'll hear actually Keenan will confirm it. As I actually, the funny thing is, is the deal hadn't happened yet. The Lowen deal had happened, and for everything that I had been told, it looked like the Lintz to Vancouver deal was the deal that was actually going to happen. And so you'll hear me ask Derek Keenan this in the interview. I said, you know, word got out that you might be trading another guy. And he said, yep, actually, we just put pen to paper, John Lintz to Vancouver for a second rounder. So um, what it does is it makes room for Saskatchewan. People are like, oh, Saskatchewan's having a fire sale. What are they doing? They're shipping all their veterans, but they're actually making room for guys. Because the trade of Lowen to Calgary opens up space for Ryan Keenan. The trade of Lintz to Vancouver opens up space for either Mike Messenger or Challen Rogers, depending on who Toronto takes it to, most likely Challen Rogers. So they free up a left-handed O guy by trading Lowen. They trade up uh, or they free up a D tranny spot by trading Lintz. And they're just making moves, and they're making room. And it just shows the genius of Derek Keenan. 
and he joins us now here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Jammer, how are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you? I- I'm very well. How's things? Good, good. You're uh, you're a pretty busy man these last few days. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know what, though? I- I'm yeah. retired from my so-called real job now, so yeah. it's not as... Uh... It's hard to uh, make these things happen as it used to be. Yeah. Even though it's not easy to make them happen, it's just I, I have more time to to do the important job, which is lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, well, let's start with uh, the trade yesterday. Um, when I heard, first heard about it, it was a three-team deal. It doesn't really sound like that was actually ever going to happen, but how did the deal for Jones and Greer come about? Um. We've on we've been working on it a long time. Yeah. Most of the summer. So um there you know what, just a real strong desire by both teams to to get the player they wanted. And uh, mm-hmm. um I think it was a great deal for both teams for, for various reasons. I mean for us you know we got a guy who's three years younger, they have comparable numbers. They're different types of players, but mm-hmm. Comparable numbers and, you know, a guy three years younger. And, and Zach, you know, is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So, yeah. whether we have been able to get him back or not is we don't know. And we know that we what we do know is that Jones is in the third year of a five-year deal. So, he's he's under contract. And we know we got a really good player. So, um, we're, we're happy with it. And I'm sure Colorado are as well. Uh, the you know you, you mentioned that they're different styles of players, and that really helped with you know Greer working with Mark Matthews. You know he didn't really need the ball on a stick. How do you see Jonesy and Matthews working together on that left side? Um, it'll take a bit of time to build. Um, you know Jonesy's such a great shooter. Um, you know and, and you know we're our, our goal is to try and make him a better player too. So mm-hmm. um, I'd like to see him to get back. To play a little bit more the way he used to, and you know he's become, you know he, he's he's a tremendous shooter, but I think he can still. I think, I just think he can get better within our yeah. offensive system. So, you know, Mark's a good playmaker, and you know also draws a lot of attention. So I think that was a big part of, of Zach's success was that, not to say that he got a ton a ton of space all the time, but you know Mark does draw a lot of attention. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, different type of players. You know, Zach's a real dynamic catch it and go to the goal kind of guy and, and, and Jonesy's more of a you know a pure shooter and, and uh he has an uncanny ability to, to be able to find shooting lanes around big bodies. So but uh we, we think we can make it work. I mean uh Jonesy's really excited about coming to play for us and, and coming to learn and uh and, and try and get better as a player as well. A little easier to get from Toronto to Saskatoon too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And, uh, you know, we, we got a pretty favorable schedule this year. Mm-hmm. We have uh, three Friday games, so we'll make it work. And um, But uh, he's, I know for sure that he's he's pretty excited about the deal. Uh, the second deal that was made uh, was kind of leaked a little bit last night and was made official today. You guys shipped Lowen to uh, Calgary for a second. Um, was this uh, was this a deal that kind of was made with the the knowledge that you're bringing Ryan in uh, with a with a lefty of the first round pick, or was this something that you wanted to do just to stockpile a few picks? 
Well, we definitely want to get more picks next year because mm-hmm. we, we think it's a really, really good draft next year, similar to last year. Yeah. Um, as far as the first part of the question, we're not 100% decided what we're doing yet. So, yeah. But we, we feel that at one and three, we're going to get two really good players. So mm-hmm. um, one of them just might be uh, that Keenan kid. <laughs> 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 How have those conversations gone? Like, do you like? Obviously, there's conversations between you and Ryan. Like, or, or, or is it like, like, what do you guys talk about when you sit down face to face, knowing that in a week's time you're going to have to make a decision? Yeah, we we talked about it all summer. I mean, yeah. um, um, you know, mix, mixed, mixed. I mean, we there's a lot there's a lot of layers to it because. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. I, I think. I think there's. There's always pressure when you're. When you're potentially a, a, a top draft pick, um, and this there could be added pressure because he's my son. So yeah, we yeah. talked about that. We also talked about you know what if he were to end up in Toronto, he would be ecstatic with that as well because, you know, it's a team that was his favorite team growing up when I was yeah. part of the coaching staff. He was a young kid then and. He was around a lot, and you know he loved the team. And that. So, so that would that would be fine with him too. So I yeah. think, uh, you know, I think either way, um, it'll work out for him, and and certainly work out for Saskatchewan Rush because we're going to get two really good players. So, um, now he, you know, he's 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 a he's a good player. Like he's, he's yeah. good, and he and I think he would fit with us. Um, but we're just not a hundred percent because there's those other two guys we really like too. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll certainly. I mean, I, I think we'll probably make a decision about seven oh one on Monday night. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, this was a, a point that was brought up to me when uh, by somebody watching. You know, all these picks being moved. You know, in the in the Georgia trade for Hall and the trades that you've been making. Do you think teams are preparing for expansion and, and stockpiling picks, knowing that you know possibly next year they're going to be losing some guys? Yeah, a little bit, and, and yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, they haven't finalized expansion. First of all, there isn't any. There's no money in the bank yet, from what I understand. So there's, yeah, fair. As of now there's not any, but there's been a little bit of preparation. I know from our end. Yeah. You know, even even if the expansion rules are as as they are proposed, in that they propose that if you have uh, players drafted this year, the two of them are automatically protected if they're in play and I think it's they're dressed for or on your roster, I think for 32% of the games or something like that, some number right. like that. So, yeah. so that's kind of, I mean, yeah, you know, a team like Georgia, they, they, they gave some picks up, but they, they could afford to because they had yeah. some in. Yeah. So many, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and again, next year they have they have a pile of them. So, and they had a specific need based mm-hmm. on injury, and yeah. I think I think they did a heck of a job. And then then New England on the other side, you know, they've been really trying to get in the draft. Yeah, absolutely. They, have, they don't have a lot of picks, mm-hmm. so they they did a good job too. I mean, they they got themselves stockpiled some picks to to get younger. So there's always that opportunity, I think, to to do that. But as like I said, Teddy, so far. You know, there's not there's an announcement, so yeah. You know, uh, we'll have to see how that falls. 
Uh, you, you talked about your guys' schedule. It was it was released today, and and you know you guys, like you said, you, you mentioned have a favorable schedule. Uh, at the end of the year, not so favorable. You end with Calgary and Colorado on the road. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's a long way down the road, but you know th- that's going to be a big weekend for you guys. Yeah, it probably will be. Yeah, definitely. It probably will be. Yeah, I mean, ah, you know what though? We've been a good road team for a long time, mm-hmm. so um, we're, we're not we're not afraid of playing on the road. We're you know we've we've had some some of our best runs on the road, and uh, um, so that's not really. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's the travel issues and that, mm-hmm. but we're not we're certainly not afraid of of those type of of trips where we're, we're on the road for a couple. It's just, you know, we're, like I said, I mean, we've been a real good road team for a long mm-hmm. time. Uh, before I let you go, uh, year one in Saskatoon was beyond anybody's wildest dreams. Uh, what's year two hold? Well, I think it'll even be better from what I understand. Yeah. Season tickets have just taken off like crazy. And there's, there's a lot of excitement being generated already. I mean, we're only in September and, uh, um, I, I just think, you know, if we continue to to be a good team and, and, and play an exciting brand of lacrosse, I, I can only see growth ahead. Uh, you're not one to divulge secrets, but I do believe you mentioned with CTV you were looking to make one more deal um, before we get to the draft. Is there any more news on that front? John Lentz traded this, just now to just to Vancouver for a 2018 second-round pick pending, pending league approval. approval. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, good well, trade you, uh, Good trade yeah. Vancouver too. Real help on the back end, and absolutely, and makes a little bit of room for us. And again, you know, 2018 second round pick. You know, it's a couple years away, but uh, you know, like you said, a little bit of stockpiling and in, in, in case there is expansion. Mm-hmm. Well, my friend, it's it's always good to catch up with you. Maybe you can uh, kick your feet up and enjoy a couple days here before you have huh. to uh, head to the combine. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Thanks, Teddy. There is Derek Keenan, head coach and general manager of the Saskatchewan Rush, stopping by to join us here, just talking about um, the three moves that they made in, in, you know, 24 hours or so. And it's an interesting conversation when you have that talk about expansion and what teams are going to do and, and stockpiling. And again, it's sort of another conversation we're down the road because, as he said, there's there's no money in the bank yet. So uh, we haven't been told and... and there's no signs, although there kind of are signs, um, of a new team coming in. And, you know, Commissioner Niksakevich said you know, he wants to give teams, new teams, plenty of time to get their feet wet and get running and get the ball in motion. And the longer they wait, um, the less and less time these new franchises will have. But the topic of expansion and the topic of expansion draft uh, will be something that needs to be had. And with these teams stockpiling picks, uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, the process that teams go about, you know, who they protect and who they keep and who they trade. And then the other point that he made was the free agency thing. And with Greer becoming a free agent next year, or UFA, um, it wasn't guaranteed they were going to be able to retain him anyway. Um, and so they get Jonesy, who's on year three of a five-year deal. So they got him for a couple more years so they can uh, extend him down the road, uh, but they have him locked up. They don't have to worry about that. Uh, I believe Lintz would be a free agent. Um, either an, uh, It might have been an RFA coming up, uh, but there's another guy that, you know, unsure of whether they'd have been able to get him back next year anyway. So, you know, 
these are all things that some people don't take into account when these trades happen, when players move. It's always, you know, I don't like seeing my favorite player traded. Uh, why did they do this trade? And it's not always about money. Uh, oftentimes it is. Other times it's not. Other times it's about team chemistry. Uh, other times it's about, you know, giving a guy the the ability to go home after, you know, being a serviceable player for you. Um, you know, we saw that in the Josh Sanderson trade when he was with Calgary. You know, he gave them a handful of years, and they said, you know what? You've done your service to us. Where can we send you? I want to go back home to Toronto. Okay, we'll do what we can to make a deal for you. And, you know, that's kind of the cool thing about the National Lacrosse League, and it's also an unfortunate thing because it's the fact that guys have to be close to family and close to work, so they have to kind of make that available to their players. But again, it's kind of the nice, it's the gentlemanly thing, I guess you could say, and it's a bit of a class thing by some of these teams that they'll do. You know what? You've given us five years. You need to go back home. You want to go win a championship. We can do that. You know, we see that, you know, if a guy, you know, Ray Bork for Buff, uh, Boston, they wanted to win a cup. He was getting near on in age, so they sent him to Colorado. We see that so often in sports, and and the National Cross League is another example of that. So that's Derek Keenan's side of the whole story. What's Steve Govett's side of this? Because he was the one that sent the younger player, but he also got an experienced veteran. He also got a first-round pick. And you know what? He's got his team, you know, a, a team that made it to the West playoffs last year, a team that's constantly knocking on the door, and he feels that this move is the move to get them going in the right direction. And getting that pick was huge for him because he didn't have it. As I said, they weren't supposed to pick until, I believe, the fourth round anyway. Yeah, they weren't supposed to have their first pick of the draft until 38th overall. And now they're ninth. And so they're going to get a quality player in the first round. Then they'll be able to suss things out and see where they want to go later on in that draft. But you need to replace talent for talent, and he did that. And he joins us on the show now, a longtime friend of the show, Steve Govett, general manager of the Colorado Mammoth. Steve, how are you, sir? Good, you? I'm well, sir. How's uh, how's Denver these days? Can't complain. Yeah, that's Still good. here. <laughs> yeah, good. They, they haven't here. kicked you out of town for trading Jonesy? Not yet. He's an exciting player that, you know, lots of people considered to be their favorite player, yeah. you know? So there's some people that are upset, but, you know, I'm also that, the guy that that Gavin Prout and, <laughs> yeah. you know, Ilya Geich and all these well, other you guys. Know, but, you, you, you've been known to shake things up, and, and you're always looking to do what's best for your team. What do you like about Zach Greer that fans can get excited about? Well, that their fans on the other side are ripping apart the the Saskatchewan rush for trading him. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Got to be a good trade if the other team's fans are as pissed off as your fans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of respect for, um, have a lot of respect for, for Zach Greer's work ethic. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I, th- I think the, I think a lot of them from that perspective. So he's a uh, he just works his ass off, but uh, he's pretty effective, you know. And and his shooting percentage is pretty good. And you know, if you look at Adam Jones, and I'm not going to throw daggers at Adam Jones, but you look at Adam Jones, he scored 19 goals in three games last year. You know? Yeah, that's amazing. And it was nothing short of uh, amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means he scored 23 goals in the rest of the the 15 games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, there's a level of consistency there that that is somewhat concerning. So, yeah. and that that's what Zach Greer brings to an offense. Not to mention the fact that we lack, or we think we lack a level of leadership in our room from an offensive perspective. And unfortunately, Adam Jones, you know, tough for him to be a leader when he's not at practice or he's not, yeah. you know, he's missing games because of work and this and that. And, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I was talking with uh, Jammer a little bit earlier before we have you on the podcast here, and he said that this has been a deal that's kind of been in the work for, for some time now. Has it always kind of been uh... – uh, a player and a pick, or were there other moving parts to the deal? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, is I don't, I, don't know, I had to come to terms with the fact, I don't know that it's been in the works really at all. I mean, yeah. I had to come to terms with the fact that whether I was going to trade Adam Jones or not. Yeah. And and it just was never something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and there was some people that, that have asked about Adam Jones. Lots of people have asked about him. Yeah, um, you know, lots of guys, uh, lots of, of of owners and and GMs and stuff like that have have pontificated on the fact that Jonesy wasn't going to be able to play for us. But I was reluctant to actually accept that as true. So, and and Adam and I have been talking about. It. I mean, we talked about it. Before. I talked about it with him last July before this. Yeah. You know, not last July, but the, 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 a year ago. About mm-hmm. hey, you know what's going on with his job and travel and this and that. And he's like, look, I don't want to leave Colorado. And I still think he felt that way right up until, you know, yesterday or yeah. Saturday when I talked to him and, and I didn't want to trade him. So I don't know how long it's been, you know, and I know these guys have all asked and they've all been thinking that I've been doing stuff, but <laughs> yeah, I had to come to terms with, with the fact that I was going to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's really what it's, come down to and, and i had to get to, and if i was going to do it i had to get back a marquee lefty absolutely that's so there's not that many of them in the league and if there is no. nobody wants to give them up yeah exactly right and so it, i've got an aging superstar in john yeah. grant jr that's going to end his career right yeah. in the, in the not too distant future yeah. so if i give up adam jones and don't get a lefty back then I'm left with a 41-year-old aging superstar who's going to retire, and then I've got two lefties in Wardle and McLaughlin. Yeah, who are young. And... Yeah, great, young, but I only yeah. have two of them. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, that I had to get somebody back that could play yeah. and play yeah. on a consistent basis and contribute. Yeah. And one of the other things that, that you stressed to me was that you wanted to get back into the first round, and then this, this deal allows you to do that, and you get the ninth pick. Uh, how do you feel about getting into that first round? Well, I mean, that that was the key to the deal. Mm-hmm. And again, lots of suitors for this, right? Lots of people that wanted Adam Jones. He was a very sought-after player. But at the end of the day, uh, 
nobody could come to the table that could afford to give away a pick and a superstar lefty. <laughs> like, yeah. name the teams that could have done that. You know, Georgia, maybe. But the guy I wanted out of Georgia, not available now. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. Georgia would be the only other available trade partner that had picks. And and so Edmonton, logically, has got – Saskatchewan. Sorry. Saskatchewan sorry. has two picks in, in – three picks in the first round and mm-hmm. can afford to give them up and, you know – and they had a player that was on the, uh, you know, living in California, yeah. that was able to, to, you know, or willing or wanted to be moved to a place where he c- could be more convenient for him, such as life in the National Lacrosse League. Absolutely. Um, one thing you stressed to me, uh, you know, in our in our little talks that we have is, is the struggles that you have, you know, being where you guys are in Denver, uh, kind of isolated there. How hard is it? to acquire players, to get guys to move down there and relocate and, and when you're working around drafts and free agency? It's not hard to acquire them. Right. It's hard right. to keep them in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so, you know, so you have to find that it's odd because it's, I think it's more difficult for us. Woe is me, right? Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But, I look at what we've been able to do over the course of the last 15 years in Colorado and to remain competitive. And, yes, there were a couple of years where um, we were challenged by what what we did. Um, But for the most part, we've been in the conversation in the playoffs for, you know, for the better part of 15 years. And we haven't had playoff success. You know, I would point to – I would point to, you know, the Yankees have had decades of no success. The mm-hmm. the Boston Red Sox have had decades of no success. You know, there's been teams that have gone long stretches but have been in the conversation for, you know, we're waiting for that breakout opportunity. Yeah. But we've remained competitive for a long time in an environment where we fly almost every player in. And if we don't fly them in, we're paying for them to live here. Mm-hmm. So the astronomical cost of uh, of what we pay for our labor, if you will, for the people that come to play for us, is yeah. more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So we have to be really strategic about who stays and who goes and how much that costs us. Um, and so, you know, people don't care or fans don't care about the cost, yeah. but it's a real factor, That's and especially, especially – especially in this league. And then you have the dynamics of people that, you know, can or can't play here. So you, how you acquire or when you acquire them, you know, Adam Jones is a player that, you know, we probably didn't want to trade ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but circumstances force you to have a conversation. I don't think Adam Jones didn't want to be traded. Yeah. So, but, he can't make every game and he can't make any practice. Yeah. That makes it tough for you to, and, and sure he steps on the floor and he scores six goals in a game and you're like, well, why does he ever have to practice? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. so there's that part of it. But, but the bottom line for us is that we have to put together all the pieces and how good might Adam Jones be if he didn't have to get on? Uh, well, first of all, if he didn't have to leave, his job 
in mm-hmm. Owen Sound, Ontario, drive three hours to an airport, go through customs for two hours, yeah. and then get on a plane for three hours and get into his destination and then wake up the next day and supposed to play at the peak level of performance. Mm-hmm. You know, think about that for a second. You know, that that would be like me living in Vail, or sorry, living on the other side of Vail and driving through the snow and in the wintertime and going to the airport two hours in advance because i got to go to customs and then getting on a three-hour flight. That's yeah. That's a 10-hour that's day. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Before he hits the sack to be able to play. So what other professional sport yeah, are we right. asking guys to do that? Now, it's a challenge, right? It is mm-hmm. what it is in the National Lacrosse League. And there's lots of people out there that would love to change the dynamic. Well, pay them more money. Well, of mm-hmm. course, I, I get that. But we're just not there today. Yeah. We don't have enough consumers in the world of the National Lacrosse League to put ourselves in a situation, and I'm not talking just about ticket buyers in the marketplaces, but consumers of our television product, consumers of, it's just, we don't have enough critical mass. Yeah. Not anybody's fault. We have to spend time building that, right? And and that's going to take a while. And we have to put good product out there for people to want to consume it, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, digitally or otherwise. And And I think we're making some strides towards that. But, so when you start talking about acquiring players and how hard it is, you know, you talk about guys that get on a plane and come and try and play at the highest level. We have 18 road games for a lot of guys, yeah, yeah. including our coaches. Yeah. Now, it's really great when guys choose to come live here, you know, but most of the Canadian guys can't work, mm. right? So they come here and they they love Denver, they want to be here, they love it, but they can't work so they don't make a ton of money, you know, great part-time job for 6 months out of the year, but they turn around, they get a career and their lives change and they go, "Man, I can't play." Mhm. Yeah. So when you have teams in Toronto, Rochester, Buffalo, right? Vancouver who have players at their disposal that they can, you know, the the size of their roster is actually bigger than the the actual size of their roster because they can go call upon a guy that lives, you know, down the road, yeah, wherever yeah. that happens to be, and he can fly in and they could bring him into one practice and try him out and look at him and go, "No, oh, next." We can't make that mistake. Yeah. We don't have that margin of error here in Colorado or Calgary or even Saskatchewan now, you know, places like that. Yeah. You know, and New England and Georgia are now practicing in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So they have that luxury because their coaches are all located there. We just choose not to do it that way. Mm. You know, and so they're practicing midweek, right? Easy for guys in this particular league to maintain their lifestyle and play at home. Yeah. So for those teams that have to put a guy on a plane, right, for a home game, the challenges become acute. So I could draft, I could be the best drafter in any sport, and I could pick the best player, but that guy all of a sudden does something different in his life, and through no fault of the team, situations change and so a player that a player that plays here in his first three or four years of his career when he doesn't have a job 
is a great player, right? He's really good. Then he gets a job and he's got to travel now to play at home. Not only does the strain get bad, but what happens to the quality of his play? Yeah, over his, time. Yeah. And his conditioning and his you know, all those things that, that make him as good a player as he is. You know, living in the market is awesome. It's fun for a, a short period of time. But all of a sudden now we're we're talking about instead of getting P1 visas for guys, we're trying to get them green cards mm. so that they can come here and live and work and stay in the marketplace. Guys like Nick Carlson and, you know, the list goes, goes on and on. Goes on, yeah. Right? And so you want to invest in American players. You would love to see more American players on your roster. But how do you do that? Mm-hmm. When the learning curve to get up to speed is three or four years in a win-today environment. You know, I, I would love to take Miles Jones in the draft. Love mm-hmm. to love to have what a what a specimen you know who yeah. could who looks like he could be you know the second coming of Jay Jalbert. Absolutely, we all remember who he was. Yeah, but right, but is Miles Jones? I've got to invest in Miles Jones to fly out here to practice, and am I really getting his absolute best because he's got to get on a plane every practice? We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. I don't know the answer, and I'm not sitting here saying, woe is me. It's just different for the Mammoth, different yeah. for the Roughnecks. It's, the Roughnecks is a little different than us because we're the only team in the U.S. west of the Mississippi now. Mm-hmm. used to be a different story, but at least in Saskatchewan, you can get guys to move to that market that can work there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right? You can yeah. get guys in Calgary that move. You know, I think Curtis Dixon has moved to Calgary. Yeah. He has, yeah. So, you know, look at the the skyrocket level of his career because he's able to focus his attention, you know, on a, on having a home game. You know, a home game meaning a home career. Yeah. So, you know, my guys walk out of this marketplace at the end of, you know, June, at the end of the playoffs, or, you know, 1st of June. They go off, they play wherever they play, and then they come back here, you know, in November if they live here. Guys like Dan Coates who've committed himself to the marketplace. And, you know, so he doesn't have a career. He wants to play lacrosse for as long as he possibly can. And, you know, all of a sudden he, somebody offers him that really – fantastic job in in southern ontario and he's turning to me going hey my life has changed you got to do this yeah so at the whim of a 23 or 4 or 5 or 20 something kid who said yeah i'll move to your market when you drafted him his whim can cost us $20,000 just by him saying hey I'm not fly I'm not moving to your market anymore. I want to fly in now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that t- additional $20,000 in cost never gets seen by the consumer, right? They don't they don't care. All they see is X player who they've fallen in love with but changed his lifestyle at home and says, "I got to I got to live at home now. I got to live in the lower mainland in Vancouver." And 
you got to fly me in because that's what our collective bargaining agreement says, that if a player mm-hmm. decides he wants to be a fly-in, he has to be a fly-in. So now it changes the financial dynamic for me where a player making you know mid-range salary and fitting well into our salary structure has just changed his salary by double because on a whim he decided that you know he wanted to be a hairdresser in downtown Vancouver. Yeah. And so I'll, I got to pay for that. Yeah. But what does that happen? What does that then happen to the quality of play to the player? Yeah. I don't because think a lot of people take that into account. You don't take that into account because he was really great for three years. Man, he was awesome. Why all of a sudden does this guy look like he's lethargic or tired? Yeah. Or, you know, why is he not producing at the level that he's producing? And so while he's a crowd favorite, and we still have him on our team, and he still wants to play for us, his quality of play may diminish over yeah. time because of the toll that it takes for a guy to get on a plane every week. Yeah. It's just hard, Ted. I mean, yeah, you've done it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's tough. And so guys move to the market. And, you know, you look at a guy like Callum Crawford, for instance. Callum yeah. Crawford moved to Denver and was able to resurrect his career. Yeah, absolutely. You know, now, is it because he was living here? I don't know. Is it because of the environment of playing in, in Denver and a really neat place to play in front of a heck of a lot of people? You know, was it the fact that he had his wife and, and son here and, and was able to focus 100% on lacrosse and not worry about getting on a plane and leaving his family? Yeah. I have no idea what it was. Could have been the great coaches that we have. But... We have to be here, west of the Mississippi in the U.S., we have to be pretty darn good at picking players and mm. predicting the future. And guess what? Sometimes you miss. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've, you've, been, you, you've been doing a good job of, of finding guys off the wire, and that's one of the areas that you've made and had the most success. You look at Wardle and Downing and Callum and, uh, Ilya Geich you brought back so that's where your bread and butter starts to come into play well it's a testament to good people first of all good people doing good work and doing the research and, and building relationships and one of the reasons why I wanted coaches and a player personnel guy and Dan Carey that have been here in Colorado and have played in this environment and have been on the plane and, and done that is so that they can they can relate to those guys and explain what it means to play in Denver, Colorado, and what it means yeah. to play for the Colorado Mammoth, because we think it's a pretty special thing. And I think most players that have ever played here agree that it's a special thing. And and that having those guys, finding players and building relationships with those guys has been key. Dan Carey's been fantastic. You know, Pat Coyle, Dan Stroop, you know, Chris Gill, they've been awesome mm-hmm. at building relationships with guys that that can help us contribute, but they also relate to guys that understand what it means, you know, to commit to this thing fully because it's not easy. No, it's not. You know, it's and not. Gary Gate and I back in the day with the Washington Power said that we were going to do one thing, is that we were going to treat our players as well as we could possibly treat them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean – paying them the most amount of money and but it really was about treating them like professionals and 
getting this as close to a professional environment as we possibly could in light of kind of all of the challenges that go around that, you know, making sure that they're, they have an aisle seat, not a middle seat on that three hour flight, Mm. you know, making sure that there's a meal for them when they get here, making sure that there's, you know, that, that we provide them with the best and the most amount of apparel so that they're out there branding and repping our product and, and they're doing, and that pays huge dividends for us in loyalty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, Sometimes you got to cut guys, and sometimes you got to trade guys, and sometimes you have to make decisions in the chair that I sit in that are not easy. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to trade Adam Jones yesterday. It was it was a significant challenge to trade Adam Jones on Monday. For me personally, I love the guy. Greatest mm-hmm. greatest kid, greatest teammate, and that's what every guy says to a man. But also, every other guy understands it. Yeah. So Gary Gate and I, back in the day with the power, decided treating guys the right way was the best way to do it. But you still have to make tough decisions. At the end of the day, you hope that those guys respect those decisions and respect that you have a job to do. But, you know, I can't guarantee that everybody's going to feel the same way. Yeah. But that you want to see why is there play, more player movement in our organization than maybe others? Why can't we have the stability that some of these other franchises have had over time, and you know, and keep some guy? Well, you know what? It's tough when guys are available. Hey, a guy comes available that has any tie to Denver. We got to be all over him. I had yeah. to overpay. I mean no disrespect when I say this to Jeremy Noble, but I had to give up two first-round draft picks for Jeremy Noble because mm-hmm. the team that was trading him to me knew they had me over a barrel Yeah, because I wanted him. He lived in Denver, and that's really super valuable to us. So if a player has a connection to, this, to the state or the, or the area, i got to be all over that, and sometimes I have to overpay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so that's that's some of the stuff that makes it tough, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, the Zach Greer, like Zach Greer, that deal with Derek, with Derek Keenan and myself could have easily they could have held me hostage, but they were really cool about and very fair about how we assess the value of Adam Jones and Zach Greer in comparison uh, on this deal. So mm-hmm. um, I greatly appreciate and have a lot of respect for Derek Keenan for for you know, being that guy because yeah. at the end of the day, there's lots of guys in this league that, that completely overvalue stuff because it's easy for them to do that because they have, you know, a hundred players that live in their marketplace that are easily readily available. I just yeah. don't. we got to yeah. selectively choose who we get. Well, you uh, you have yourself a ninth round selection, so you'll have to be selective with that. Um, enjoy Eddie, the. Uh, there's yeah. no ninth. There's no ninth <laughs> rounders anymore. It's a ninth <laughs> overall, ninth baby. Don't overall. take it away from me. <laughs> well, uh, safe travels to the combine. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, good luck in the draft. And again, always a pleasure talking to Steve. Thanks, Ted. Yes, of course, no nine rounds anymore. Just six in the National Lacrosse League draft, and that will go. This Monday from the Toronto Rock Athletic Centre, September 26th in Oakville, Ontario. Uh, You'll be able to watch the game online. I'm not sure where they're streaming it yet, so just stick around. 
Um, it's interesting to hear Govett's comments about sort of the um, challenges that they face and challenges like a team, you know, even Georgia kind of has to face those problems, even like he said, you know, they're practicing in Toronto so they can keep all their guys there. New England the same. Um, Calgary has some guys that can move and Saskatchewan has some guys that can move and get jobs and be fine. Uh, it's tough for Denver. And he said, you know, this isn't a woe is me and everybody feel for me kind of thing, but it, they are in a bit of a, a tough situation trying to find guys that can commit, try and find guys that can relocate, try and five got, find guys that fit within their budget scheme. And I think they've done a pretty darn good job of making it work for them. Uh, you know, over 15-plus years of being down there and, and working the system and working the money game. And we'll be interested to see, um, you know, how they continue to do that. As guys get older, uh, as their contracts get higher, do they start sort of, you know, not pulling a John Arlotta and shipping out all their, you know, fan-favorite vets for draft picks and young talent. But he's going to he'll probably kind of start to go down that route at some point as he kind of has to tinker with the lineup. But they are in the first round. And they did do a player-for-player player swap. Zach Greer a lot closer uh, to Denver than he was in Saskatchewan, living in Los Angeles. So uh, it's a trade that works out for everybody. Uh, and the Mammoth are happy with what they got in return for Jonesy. And as you heard Govett say, it wasn't a trade he wanted to do at all. He didn't think he would ever make that trade. And, you know, as much as Derek Keenan said, you know, they've been trying to make a deal for Zach for quite a while just to accommodate him because he is living in L.A., I'm sure they didn't want to trade him either. And you heard Govett say, you know, both fan bases are upset over this trade, and that means it's got to be a good deal for both teams. And who knows what other kind of deals we're going to see in the next few days as we lead up to the draft on Monday. The Combine goes this weekend. Um, I'm sure they'll probably uh, have some of that streamed as well. Stay tuned to NLL.com. For more information on that, uh, the Hall of Fame and the awards go this weekend or this week too, or next week, I guess. Um, so we have tons to look forward to. And then and then it kind of drops off and we have to figure out what we're going to do with ourselves. What are we going to do come September 28th when there's no lacrosse for two months? You can plan a road trip. You can start looking at the National Lacrosse League schedule and figure out, you know, which games you want to go check out this year. If you want to find yourself on a, a fun little road trip, going to check out a few games here and there. You want to figure out what, what game your teams are playing in different cities. All that good stuff. And you can do that because today, the National Lacrosse League announced the 2016-2017 schedule. And it all kicks off, as I said, December 29th. In Rochester, it's a Thursday, 7.30 Eastern, when the Toronto Rock visit the Nighthawks. Uh, and then one other game to be played in 2016, and that's Colorado at Buffalo, December 30th, also a 7.30 face-off. And then we uh, obviously wait for the New Year's break, and then things really get going. Uh, the first real weekend of lacrosse will be uh, starting on January 6th, Vancouver at Colorado, 
and then a handful of games on the 7th, sorry, three to be exact. Saskatchewan at Georgia, New England at Rochester, Vancouver at Colorado. Not the ideal start if you're a Vancouver Stealth fan. Uh, They play four of six on the road to start, including two back-to-back weekends. Um, Schedule makers not doing them any favors, but we'll get a true test of where this Vancouver Stealth squad will be. And it's not an easy start for them because you go if you lose four of those six, you put yourself in a big hole early. Now, if you win four of those six, you set yourself on a good path trending upwards. And it'll be interesting to see because this will be a Vancouver Stealth team that will be under a very fine microscope. Um, They're 0 for 3 since moving to Langley and making the playoffs. Um, There's all sorts of speculation going around there of what's going to happen with this club if, again, they don't make the playoffs. Um, None of them really have much validity, but there are people spreading you know, ideas out there of what might happen. But I think this is a huge year for the Vancouver Stealth. They have to be successful in that market with a team on the floor that is going to be an entertaining product and a successful team on the floor that's an entertaining product. Actually, you know what? They don't even have to be an entertaining product as long as they are winning games. They could win them one nothing. They could go into every game and win them 7-6, nine times at home, and they'll make the playoffs. If you win all your games at home, you should make the playoffs. And unfortunately, the LEC hasn't been friendly to the Vancouver Stealth, and they need to find that anger. They need to find that fire, and they need to make the LEC a very hard place to play. And we'll see. Because they don't open up until the 14th when Calgary come to town. Uh, it's a 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, Pacific time face-off. So that will be their first home game. And you can go to NLL.com and find the whole schedule. Uh, there's some intriguing matchups. As always, you know, Buffalo and Toronto are going to be good. Rochester and Buffalo are going to be good. Um, but you heard me kind of ask Keenan about it. The end of the year, Saskatchewan will go to Colorado and then Calgary to end the season. And that is going to be a very, very tough back-to-back for them. I don't envy them whatsoever. Friday, Saturday in Colorado, and then in Calgary. Uh, Nine Sunday games by my count and only one Thursday game. Um, I know a lot of people are up in arms about Sundays and, and why they do it. You know what? There are some people that like to think those Sunday games will be successful. Um, other people, not so much. Uh, one o'clock games on a Sunday will always be very interesting sell for most fans. Um, we haven't seen them ever really been successful in the past. Hopefully things change this year, but I'll just keep my fingers crossed and hold my breath. So the schedule is out. The draft is coming up. The awards are about to be announced, and we're about to have three new members in the 26 Hall of Fame. It is going to be an incredible week, and kind of the week that just puts a bow on everything for the year of lacrosse that was 2016. Are you ready? Are you excited? Or is it kind of that, you know, you know it's a week away until Christmas, and so you don't want to get too excited, but you know what's coming? It's kind of where I'm at. 
I'm excited for this season because I think this needs to be a huge season for the National Lacrosse League in general, not just for, you know, the Stealth or the Swarm or the Black Wolves or any one team in particular. I think this needs to be a huge year for the NLL collectively. Um, with all eyes of prospective owners on this league, we need to be at our best. We need to be putting out the best possible products on the floor. We need to be pumping out quality, professional uh, media, like articles and videos and highlight packages and all these things that scream, come to our party. Because we need more people at the party. And Nick Sakevich wants to add one to five teams or one to four teams for 2018. The rumors have always been that Philadelphia and Edmonton would be the teams that come back. But we don't know. Um, there was speculation that the Oilers Entertainment Group was just going to sit back and watch what the National Lacrosse League did this year and just kind of, you know, take notes. We don't know um, who the Philadelphia people will be. We don't know any Like, we don't know anything. We true like we could put a team anywhere and we don't know. And the league is keeping all that stuff pretty hush hush. And we'll probably never know until it's officially announced or someone says something and it gets leaked. Which often happens. But until then, we have to look forward to the combine. We have to look forward to the draft, the awards, and the Hall of Fame. Uh, best of luck to everybody competing this weekend at the Combine. Have some fun. Um, it is something that I never got a chance to attend. Uh, they didn't have the Combine uh, when I was drafted over 15 years ago, uh, but it has turned into a pretty interesting and exciting event for these young prospects. So I wish them all the best of luck. Um, just go out and ball, boys. Do your thing. Have some fun. And just... Go play some lacrosse. Uh, talk to all the GMs and coaches you can. Put a name to the face. Say hello. Shake their hands. And you never know. Your name could be called. Uh, Derek Keenan was very coy on who they were going to take uh, with that first overall pick. I truly would be surprised if they don't take Ryan Keenan because if they don't, then he falls to Toronto. And who knows? Maybe they, they, they're okay with that. He said it. You know what? If he goes to Toronto... Ryan would be ecstatic about it. But I just don't see him passing on his son. And as you, if you've read Stephen Stamp's mock draft, uh, he has Challen Rogers going to Toronto. I agree with that. He's, a, he's an Oakville Rock guy already. Uh, he's very familiar with Jamie Dowick and that organization. So that makes sense. Mike Messenger going three makes sense. And then after that, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Uh, if Georgia takes a goaltender... Um, then you can see Holden Katoni going to Calgary. But seriously, after those first three, we don't really know. So sit back, kick your feet up, grab some popcorn, grab a drink, and enjoy the festivities. Uh, congratulations to Tracy Glusky, Josh Sanderson, and John Tavares to be inducted. And here is to all the award winners who will be announced this week or next week as well. That'll about do it for another edition here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thanks to Derek Keenan 
Thank you to Steve Govett, and thank you to you, as always, for stopping by. Drop me an email, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or fire me a tweet at off the cost. There's no more games, so you can't take a friend to a game, but you can buy some season tickets, and I really think you should. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other. I am an apple.